Hi there, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and across the Six Nations as Europe's elite go head-to-head in rugby's oldest international competition. Each week, we'll be looking at the QBE predictor, which forecasts the results of each round of matches. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe now and download wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thanks for listening. This edition of How to Be a CEO is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June 2024. Good luck. Theo Pafita still calls himself a shopkeeper, and to be fair, he does have quite a lot of them. His self-named retail group, with companies like Ryman Stationery and Robert Dias under it, encompasses around 300 stores and employs more than 4,000 people. It is very far from a small business, but the man perhaps still best known as one of the dragons in the den, although it's been years since he last appeared, can't leave the SME world behind. His Small Business Sunday community now has 3,500 members, having started in 2010 with a tweet. I was sitting in the kitchen and I said, you know what? I said, I'm going to send a, one of these tweet things out now. First six people that send me an interesting tweet about their business, I'm going to retweet to about 50,000 as it was followed. And I got a trillion tweets back. <laughs> it took me about three hours to pick six. Of course, the big stuff remains the retailers, high street stores competing in online worlds. We're going to be talking about things like how Ryman's developing a unique hybrid model as it takes on those web-based card sellers using its 130-year-old physical history to its advantage. And we'll also hear what he thinks about business rates. I'll, I'll start steaming up about business rates. Absolutely bloody ridiculous. It's the most unfair tax that's not fit for purpose known to man. He's got a lot more to say about that. And Theo will be appearing at this year's Evening Standard SME Expo. It's being held at XL London on the 23rd and 24th of April. There'll be 4,000 SME founders and decision makers there, hearing from keynote speakers like Theo and joining in the workshops and networking events taking place over the two days. And it's free. Go to smexpo.co.uk for more details. So, what would Theo Pafitas rather be doing? Running a huge retail group or getting behind the counter again at a small store? Uh, running Ryman Robert Dyer's. Starting up a business is so exciting. I can't tell you. Makes you bounce out of bed in the morning. Your whole future's ahead of you. The anticipation, the hope, the desire, all these things, the expectation... The Del Boy moments that we all have uh, in business this time next year will be all millionaires. You've got the world at your feet. You haven't yet had a curved ball because you've only just started. Yeah, but those curveballs are going to come, Theo. I'm sure you faced a few in your time. Regardless of how you eventually solved them, how did you get through 
It's like the pressure you must have been under at various points. Well, the pressure is immense uh, as in, in so many different ways. I mean, when I started my first business, I just left a secure job with a company car and a subsidised mortgage in those days because it was black and white and 100 years ago. I used to work for <laughs> legal and general. who we were incredibly generous. Expenses, a company car that wasn't taxed by the taxman. That's been a while, actually. <laughs> Better than that, I think interest rates were running at about 9 or 10% in those days. And my mortgage was at one and a half. So leaving that security, you hang you know, your, your credit account back. Then you then, they gave you a year on your subsidised mortgage. It's massively generous. Um, and if ever you need this help to start a business, working for a great employer like Lincoln General was fabulous because I knew, even though, even though I had no money, I could still hopefully keep that mortgage going. But I had the pressure that I had to refinance it in that 12 months. I had two kids. I was 21 years old. I just turned 22. can't remember now. Uh, but the world was at my feet. I could do anything as far as I was concerned. You know, I hadn't had those curved balls, those banana skins, those <laughs> scars on my back, which in some ways... I wish I'd had. <laughs> uh, they're, they're all still to come. And running your own business does give you scars. No question. But those scars should be worn as a badge of honour. Yeah. Right? Not as a negative. Because if you wear them as a badge of honour, it means you have learned something. Could you do today what you did 100 years ago? as you put it. Is it the same? Is it harder? I'd say there's certain elements I think are easier, to be frank. I mean, in my day, not only was it not mobile phones, we just got the video cassette recorder. <laughs> that was the level of technology, and you had a wired phone in your house and some coin, a coin box. Yeah. didn't have the internet, right? Now you can reach customers from your bedroom while you're sitting there in your underwear. Um, and you can have a meeting with them. You can reach potential customers through your website or half, halfway around the world from your bedroom. So those are things that really you can have. My biggest challenge was finding new business, which is how uh, SBS started, or Business Sunday. Because on a Sunday night, I'd help Mrs. P put the kids to bed. And once we'd done that, they went to bed at six o'clock. Amazing in those days. So upstairs at six o'clock, help them to bed. Then I'd go down, and whether it was later, I had a study, when I didn't have a study, I had a very small, cranky desk uh, in the front room. And I'd sit there, and I'd be planning my workload for the following week. Because... Okay. I didn't, until I finished that, I wouldn't do anything else. So I knew when I got up in the morning that, that I, I was ready for the week ahead. So that was Sunday night. And I remember getting Twitter when it first came out. Mm -hmm. And within a few days, I had 50,000 followers. And I went, oh, my God, what I wouldn't have given in those days 
to be able to market to 50,000 people, as I thought at the time it was a lot, 50,000 people. And I was sitting in the kitchen with Mrs. P and we were reliving those days. And I said, you know what? I said, I'm going to send a, one of these tweet things out now. And <laughs> say, first six people that send me uh, an interesting tweet about their business, I'm going to retweet to my 50,000 as it was followed. Yeah. That'll give them some market exposure. Little did I know, I sent a tweet and then I got a trillion tweets back. <laughs> it took me about three hours, or took <clears> us <throat> about three hours to pick six. And the following Sunday, I forgot all about it. And then people started, on that following Sunday, people started sending me tweets again about their business. And then I looked at my original tweet and I didn't make it clear it was just for that Sunday. Yeah, this is just a thing I'm doing on a Sunday night. Yeah. <laughs> and they started coming out through the day. So I thought, okay, I'll do this again. And I'll tell them, I'll do it. It sounds interesting, but I'll limit the window. And I said, the window's got to be between 5 and 7.30. So you can all have a life before that, not worry about tweeting me. It just grew and grew. We got 4,000. And then very, very quickly, there was too many tweets coming through. And I had to bring it into the office and say, help. And then we went from there. So we've got, now we've got 4,000 small businesses in the network. And it's very much a self-help. And they've reorganized themselves into smaller groups as well, where they help each other. Because as a small business, it's very lonely, especially if you're a one-man, one-woman band. Yeah. It's very lonely. Things don't always go right. You want to bounce ideas, you've got a problem, someone's got a solution to it. So the great thing about the network is you say, I've got a problem with this. Has anybody got any ideas? Yeah, that networking thing seems to me to be incredibly important. Like you were saying, it's it's so lonely when you start up your own small business. Did you have that? I mean, going back to the past, did you use that at all, networking with the people that you knew and met? Oh, that was the only way to get business. Couldn't afford advertising. My network was going and seeing accountants, solicitors, financial advisors, whoever was in the industry uh, that could get involved with estate agents and create that network of people that would think about me and give me business. It's so, so important. And, you know, people are shy. And but they should never be shy of asking. I was incredibly shy. But the great thing about SBS, once you're a winner, you get access to the website, and there's a whole host of press releases. So if you want to put a press release out, and it shows you, and it gives you the list of where it should go. Yeah. You know, and the whole idea is, you've been chosen as one of the six. You put a press release out with a picture, and you send it out, and the local paper the story of the cat getting stuck up on a tree goes out the front page and it says local business award from TV Dragon Theopathetis, right? <laughs> so it gives you that publicity and encouragement as well. And that's very important, that encouragement and the ability to self-publicize. Yeah. Theo, was there ever a moment when you realised that you could help other people, you could influence so other people's businesses could be successful rather than just your own. Oh, listen, I, I still think of myself as a, as a small as a small family business, and it is what we are. We're not we've got external shareholders, and I've always held that mentality and that that relationship with my colleagues. 
you know, it's all first name terms. No one, there's no airs and graces in this place or any wrong places. Uh, whether it's a shop assistant of 300 stalls plus we've got, or whether it's a director here, it's um, we're, we're in this together. We're a small business and we should care about the small business. And so I've always had an affinity for small businesses and the excitement that that brings. I noticed on your Twitter account, actually, I think it's been there for a while, that you describe yourself very simply as a shopkeeper. Do you really think of yourself as being that, Theo? It's all, yeah, definitely. I, I, I come alive when I'm in a store, in a store, mm. whether it's my, my store or somebody else's store. And I know that's what turns me on. That's what turns my lights on. And it always has been. Yeah. From the very first day I ever worked in a shop. One of thinking about those networks there, I've done a little bit of research. I may have got this wrong, but one of the first companies to help you out was Ryman's. Absolutely correct. Uh, Hard time biases. And again, it was a chance network meeting. You know, um, I had a few couple of mobile phone shops at the time because it was all the rage. This was in the early 90s. And we had a company... Our airtime provider was, of course, it was Securicorp that got sold to BT later on. Um, and they invited myself and Mrs. P to uh, uh, out for the evening to go and see Sunset Boulevard at the Savoy Theatre. Um, <laughs> and that dinner at the Savoy beforehand. So we were very excited. And we went, and I sat next to a guy at the dinner. There was only uh, 12 of us. So six couples, and and one was the the sales director who sadly recently passed away uh, from Securicorp. Um, And I was having a a guy called Malcolm Cook. Um, He was from Ryman, because they too had a contract with Securicorp. But he was also a mate of, of, of the Securicorp chap. They lived in the same village. And I sat next to him, and we got all well together. He was a northerner. I used to live in Manchester as a child. He was a Manchester United supporter. I'm a Manchester United supporter. And we got talking about footy. That was it. We walked across the road, went to the show. Fabulous night. That was the end of it. A few months later, um, I'm taking my son to Wembley to watch United in the Mickey Mouse Cup, uh, the League Cup, as it was uh, it. <laughs> Yeah. And I got on a train at Baker Street with my son, who was probably seven or eight at the time. Um, we sat down, and right opposite me was this Malcolm Cook. And I said, oh, hello, hasn't seen you here. You're obviously going to the game. I said, this is my son. He said, oh, I'm, going with, I'm taking my nephew. So I'm looking around for a little boy, and there was this six-foot-ten guy sitting next to him that was his nephew. Um, anyway, we got chatting and everything else. Um, when we got chatting, as we are talking about, I said to him, look, you know, I'd love to come and see you and talk to you about mobile phones and, and how, you're do, how you're doing it at Ryan. And I've been in a couple of your stores since I've seen you. Da, 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 da. He said, yeah. And he just went in his pocket, pulled out a business card, gave me his business card. And um, the rest is history, as I said. Yeah, it's quite a long history. You know, in charge. Of Ryman's, but I was thinking right at the beginning of this interview, you were talking about the opportunities of an online market. That's also a threat for a high street store, isn't it? So, how do you rise to that kind of a challenge? How do you compete in that world? Right. So, 
let's not get carried away here. Because whilst online is definitely an opportunity, people that make the most money from online, not the retailers. The people that make the most money are the social media sites, the BBC clicks, and people pay anything between 15 and 30% of their turnover to these people who have no costs, incremental costs, for doing your business. Because once they've got the platform, they've got the platform. So the biggest money makers are those. Then there's a whole industry of influencers, software providers. I'm going to give you this piece of software, it's one and a half percent of your turnover. You know, I'm going to give you this website, it's one and a half, two percent, three percent of your turnover. Before you know it, the cost of doing business does escalate because to be successful online, you need eyeballs, you need visits, you need traffic. There's a cost to that traffic. So it is an opportunity to do it profitably is very, very tough. And then, of course, you look at the physical aspects of retailing, where we've got rent, rates, yep. all the ancillary costs, all the unfair taxation. Shall we mention business rates at this point, Theo? <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll start steaming up about business rates. Absolutely bloody ridiculous. It's the most unfair tax that's not fit for purpose known to man. And I won't tolerate any politician who talks about taxation and the levelling up of taxation. Because if they're not levelling up the basics of our whole economy, when they start saying we need more money for the National Health Service, the ambulances, the, the doctors and nurses, fire brigade, the, the, the armed forces, police, and they're not taxing a great big lump that's sitting there because they're either incompetent, lazy, can't be asked. Which one is it? I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> but anyway, the point was rising costs for people trying to open up stuff on the high street. And you've got the cost of, of staff. I mean, we've got the minimum wage going up again by over 9%. You know, the Chancellor says, I can't give the nurses a bigger pay rise because it creates inflation. But then he says, oh, national living wage can go up by 9%. Well, how does he think people are going to pay for that? We, these retailers, he expects us to absorb all these costs. Where's the apprenticeship levy? The extra surcharge on pensions? Oh, business can pay for that. Well, business can't. It's going to come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. Can't just be absorbed to create inflation. I mean, there is some incredible naivety. I actually don't think it's naive. I think it's damn right dishonest because they're not that stupid. Nobody could be that stupid. And they've been dishonest. How do they repair that then, though? What needs to happen? Well, if you look how much energy we've expended over the last several years on deporting 500 uh illegal immigrants uh, from the UK, how much time it's taken, the Treasury, the, the Westminster, all the other departments, the Home Office, the courts, the laws. If they put that energy into the economy and creating a sound base for a growing economy, it would be a lot better spent. Yeah. So priorities is the word, really. Don't just pick on that one, it happens that one's 
uh, topical at the moment. But the, the key point is not that. It, it's, it's priority and focus. And stop looking after yourself, your mates, and your party. And start looking after the country and the service in which you purport to be carrying out. Now, that will offend some politicians, and I'm happy about that, by the way, because if you're offended as a politician who listens to this podcast, maybe you have got a conscience. But clearly, many of your colleagues haven't, and you're a minority. So maybe, just maybe, you should stand up and be counted. Now, before we go on to that, Theo, what I was trying to get to was that... You see, <laughs> they got me going. You, you end up with a full perfetus rant. <laughs> What I was trying to get to was that Ryman's is competing online. You've moved to take on those online uh, card retailers, haven't you? Yeah, because, listen, as a retailer, you have to, as a physical retailer, you have to have a reason to exist. How many wonderful high street names that we all love and visited have disappeared from a high street? Because they lost the reason to exist. And as a, for a retailer to survive, they have to have a reason to exist. And for me, it's important that we give customers uh, a reason to come into our stores, not just to buy stuff. I mean, that they can just order off Amazon, a five-pound product gets delivered next day, totally unprofitable, in a very unprofitable way, right? There's going to be a reason. The card industry is an interesting one because we've seen the online players do so well with it. The personalized cards. Now we all know who they are. But of course, you've got to wait several days for it to arrive. And you've got to pay postage and everything else. Well, the wonderful thing about the Ryman app, which we launched uh, just today, is you get personalized cards within 60 minutes. So you go on the app, use technology, the modern day technology, create your card, choose your store. 190 stores across the country, from St. Andrews to Penzance. Choose your store, and within an hour, you can go and pick it up on your way to get your sandwich, on the way to the station, or whatever you're doing. Yeah. And you know you've got, it's going to arrive. There isn't a postal strike, or post office ain't going to deliver for three days. You know you can do it. You could be on a train, realise you need a card for somebody in the office, and you do it on the train, walk into the store and you went to the office, pick it up, or on your way home, you haven't got your, your partner's uh, card, you can quickly pop in, you can do it, on, do it on your app, pop it, pick it up, buy a gift or whatever, you're done, dusted. And all for £2.99p. <laughs> the postage alone elsewhere is £1.25. Now, that doesn't stop us posting it to you, we can do that as well, but it's an extra £1.25. Save the £1.25, all the global warming is going to create, um, and you've done, and all the stress of worrying if it's going to arrive or your partner's going to see the car coming <laughs> through the level. Yeah, and then you'll be caught out. And it's that mix. It, it, are you operating then in a hybrid world then of the, the, the bricks and clicks, I think is what it's called? David, this is unique. No one's ever done this. We are the only people in town doing this. Right? So we've launched this. That's how you win it. That, that's a uniqueness. Now, of course, you may argue, as I often do, as one of my uh, responses to people when they pitch me, a, pitch me a deal, is, well, there's probably a reason no one's done it, because it doesn't work, or it's not profitable, <laughs> you know, or it's too much capital employed for return. 
those are those don't uh, don't apply here. I don't believe because we've ticked a lot of those boxes. Uh, we're using existing infrastructure to do this. So this is definitely a merger of a 130-year-old business and modern technology to provide a unique reason for someone to cross the threshold and visit a rhyme. Dale, when was the last time you spoke to someone who didn't pitch you a business idea? It probably happens quite a lot. Yeah, it, is, it, it does happen quite a lot. Um, I still enjoy it, so I don't mind. <laughs> now you're going to be appearing at the SME Expo, the Evening Standards SME Expo in April. What are you going to be talking about there, and what do you hope people get from it? Oh, I haven't got a scooby doo. It's April, it's ages yet. Listen, <laughs> by the time I get there, David, the world could be a different place, right? What you will get, you'll get the truth. You'll get the facts. I will scrape off all the veneer and gloss and the rubbish that we're fed by the government, politicians in general, not just the government, others as well. I will point out the blindingly obvious and it will be relatable to what's happening in our world today as a small business. And also in business in general, clearly shopkeeping will play a part. That was Theo Pafitas. For more interviews, news and analysis, head to standard.co.uk forward slash business or pick up the Evening Standard newspaper. And remember, to get those free tickets for our SME Expo, go to smexpo.co.uk. How to be a CEO will be back in two weeks and we'd love to see you then. If you hit follow on your podcast provider, you'll guarantee you won't miss it. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to $200 in fee-free overdraft with a Chime checking account. Sign up today at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.